0: Hello everyone, welcome to Antibodies. Today is the 8th episode of our Immunology 101 series and we're going to start with a cool topic called T-cell receptor rearrangement. Joining me today is Eugenio from Autonomous University of Mexico. Hey guys natalie from the city of hope research center hi and dara from university of paris sir Clay.
1: hi guys
0: if you if you want to be very clear with this episode then i ha- i very heavily suggest you to please go and watch the two other episodes we did on b cell receptor rearrangement because some of that will apply here And while we'll try to review as much as possible, it will be better to have those episodes listened beforehand. Natalie, can you give us a quick review from the last episodes?
2: Yeah, yeah, so last episode, we broke down the steps of BCR, that's B cell receptor rearrangement. We learned that you have to have the light chain and that has to bring together a V and a J segment. And then you also have to have the heavy chains, which are rearranged from a V, a D and a J segment. And these particular rearrangements are governed by these enzymes called RAG. The joining of these different segments can create exceptional diversity, which is the whole point of rearrangement. So uh, by joining these segments, which is then compounded by the combination of how different light and heavy chains can come together. To further increase diversity, additional random nucleotides can be added in between the V and the D region of the heavy chain. And this generates something called junctional diversity. So first you have p-nucleotides, and those are formed by basically how uh, an enzyme called Artemis and other enzymes asymmetrically cut recombining DNA pieces, and then there's n-nucleotides, which are brought in by the uh, stupid or maybe just unique polymerase TDT. Additionally, we learned that rearrangement of the heavy and the light chain occurs in a stepwise process. The heavy chain is rearranged first and then shuttled to the surface with some molecular training wheels, we call them surrogate light chains to make sure that the whole thing can signal properly. If it can't, the cell will try rearranging the other set of Ig genes to make a better heavy chain. Once a successful heavy chain has been made, then rearrangement of the light chain occurs. There are a couple of opportunities to edit the BCR if it is autoreactive. Um, but importantly, rearrangement only occurs on one set of IgE genes at a time to ensure that each B cell bears only one unique BCR. This process is known as allelic exclusion. Lastly, we learned that B cells are able to create either membrane bound BCR or secreted antibody. And they do this by using alternative splicing to alter the transcript generated from the Ig locus. So that was it. Now we're moving on.
0: Thanks a lot. And with that, we can finally move to the process of T cell receptor rearrangement. Before that, I want to talk about the discovery of the TCR chains. After the discovery and elucidation of the B-cell gene rearrangement process, it became easier to study B-cells. Since the antibodies looked very similar to B-cell receptors present on the surface of the B-cells, you could isolate antibodies from the serum, inject them into another animal of different species, and then obtain antibodies against antibodies. Let's call them anti-antibodies. Next, you could attach a fluorophore or a radioactive probe to these anti-antibodies and mark B-cells in blood samples to study B-cells and BCR signaling. This would make it very convenient to study these types of cells. However, such reagents were unavailable to study T-cells since T-cells did not make a secreted form of TCR.
1: But I have a question. Why do we need a secreted protein to make antibodies against it? And why can't you just isolate the membrane-bound receptor and immunize the animal to generate antibodies against it?
0: I think the answer lies in the fact that membrane proteins are very hard to work with. They're not easy to isolate, so it was a technical challenge. It is because of this challenge that there were a few decades between the discovery of the B-cell receptor and the T cell receptor. The TCR consists of an alpha and a beta chain, as it was known from the protein studies, but their respective gene sequences were unknown. Interestingly, it was the beta chain gene that was discovered before the alpha. Two research groups published their findings in the same issue of journal called Nature in 1984 about their discovery of the beta chain. One of the groups was that of Stephen Hedrick and Mark Davis. Let's see what they did. They had a hybridoma T cell. That is a T cell that has been fused with a cancer cell line. So it can be cultured forever. The reason that the TCR is a membrane bound protein. Therefore, the mRNA for the TCR should be processed by the ribosomes that are attached to the endoplasmic reticulum. Let's call these membrane bound ribosomes. The researchers isolated mRNA from the membrane-bound ribosomes of t-cells and used reverse transcriptase to make complementary DNA or cDNA copies of the whole mRNA. A catch here is that they used an isotope of phosphorus to radio label the cDNA so they could track its source being the t-cells. Next, they isolated mRNA from b-cells. At this stage, they had radio-labeled cDNA from the T-cell hybridoma and unlabeled mRNA from B-cells. The next step is interesting. They let the cDNA and mRNA interact cDNA being complementary would bind to all the common mRNA that exists between the T cell and the B cell. However, we are not interested in the common transcripts. We want to know what doesn't bind since that is what's different between the T and B cells. Hence, this unique fraction would ideally contain the TCR transcripts. At this step, they have these unique transcripts among which TCR transcripts are present. This approach, where you can remove common transcripts by hybridizing them to their complementary DNA is called subtractive hybridization.
3: But Jatin, before you continue, would you expect only the TCR messenger RNA to be present in this fraction of unique transcripts that they obtain from sub- subtractive hybridization?
0: No, there should be a lot more uh, transcripts here. That's why even after getting rid of 97% of the common transcripts between the B and T cells, the road ahead to work with the remaining 3% transcripts would be tough. Now that we have the unique TCR transcripts, they can be studied in detail using a library of T cell specific probes that the research group had access to. One of the probes, these are nucleic acid probes, so they would tag nucleic acids. One of these probes that they called TM86 would bind to different mRNA sequences from different T cells. However, this probe would bind to the same place in B cells and liver cells. If you remember, this is similar to what Susumu Tonogawa found originally in B cells, that a heavy chain probe would bind to different places in different B cells after restriction digestion, but to the same place in liver cells. It was a clue that this probe is binding to a gene that is possibly capable of rearranging before it finally exists as its, in its final form, could be the T cell receptor.
2: Wait, can you tell me what's the point of using uh, liver cells in these experiments?
0: Yeah. I think they're used as non-immune cell control to make sure whatever they see is specific to the T cells and does not happen in any other cells of her body. Coming back, these sets of experiments also confirmed Stephen Hedrick and Mark Davis assumption that these TCR genes must only be expressed in T cells and not in other cells. Later, it was found that the piece of gene they had tagged was a portion of the TCR beta chain. With that, we can move on to the discovery of alpha chain. Using a similar op- approach of subtractive hybridization that was devised by Hedrick and Davis, Susumu Tonegawa's lab succeeded in cloning a gene that appeared exclusively rearranged in T cells. They thought that this might be the alpha chain. However, this gene product did not seem to align with molecular weight of the known TCR alpha protein. I'm gonna remind that right now, we're talking about this fraction of genes that are mutually exclusive to T cells. At the same time, some other reports came out that the alpha and beta protein chains were supposed to be heavily glycosylated when they turned into a protein. When the Tonegawa group looked at their candidate gene product and tried to find sites for glycosylation, they could not find it turns out, the gene that the Tonegawa group was working on was not the alpha chain. however it was still unique to the T cell. What could it be? Ooh, big question. The group named this gene, the gamma gene.
1: Hey, those are present in the gamma delta T cells.
0: Yes, yeah, spoiler alert, they are. So the Tonegawa group found something <laughs> that they were not looking for. <laughs> Anyways, we still haven't found the gene sequence for the alpha chain yet. This is when the discoverers of the B chain enter again into the picture to save the day. Mark Davis and colleagues found another gene that was uniquely expressed in T cells. Its protein product did have four potential glycosylation sites and the molecular weight of the protein was similar to the known molecular weight of the alpha chain protein. Yes, this was the alpha chain gene. The community must have been happy to finally have found the genes for the alpha and beta T cell receptor proteins. However, this is the part where scientists were left with a cliffhanger. What is up with that gamma chain that the Tonegawa lab discovered? Is that expressed alongside alpha and beta chains in all T cells, or would this have its own partner, or does it bind to alpha or beta? The immunologists needed answers. After three years, Chen, David, and colleagues finally found a fourth TCR gene that they named Delta. And it was reported to be the binding partner of the gamma subunit it was also observed that the t cells would either express alpha beta chains or the gamma delta chains therefore the alpha beta and gamma delta are two distinct populations of t cells maybe in a future episode we could talk about t cell development and how the alpha beta and gamma delta come into being
1: yeah now let's move on to the rearrangement of these tcr genes the four TCR loci, alpha, beta, gamma, and delta are organized in a germline in a manner that are very similar to the multi-gene organization of the immunoglobulin loci. And as in the case of immunoglobulin genes, functional TCR genes are produced by rearrangements of V and J segments in the alpha and gamma chain families between, and between V, D, and J segments in the beta and delta chain genes. The arrangements of TCR variable region genes follow the same general outline as that of the immunoglobulin genes, just like what we've learned in our previous episodes. The alpha and gamma-chain variable genes, just like the immunoglobulin light-chain gene, are generated from one V and one J segment, and the TCR beta and delta-chain variable region genes are assembled from V, D, and J segments, just like the IG-heavy chains.
3: I have found this topic really interesting. I want to know more things that are similar and dissimilar between the TCR and BCR rearrangement.
1: Yes, Natalie, can you tell us about the TCR rearrangement compared with the BCR rearrangement, please?
2: Yeah, of course. We've actually just spent two very long one-on-one episodes, uh, during the, uh, talking about the recombination necessary to generate antibodies. And I know it must have stressed you all out to hear that there would also be one about TCR genes, but I assure you it's, it's super similar. So don't worry about it. Um, basically, uh, both of these processes are designed to help increase diversity in either the BCR or the TCR repertoire. So that's the same. Um, We know that the four TCR genes in the human genome are are very, very similar to those of the immunoglobulin genes in terms of uh, how they're arranged in the genome. Uh, We know that BCRs have VJs in their kappa and lambda, and just like Dara was saying, uh, TCRs have the VJ in their alpha and gamma. BCR has VDJ in the heavy chain. TCRs have VDJ in the beta and delta chains. The order of the steps and the general mechanism is very, very similar in TCR rearrangement as it is in BCR rearrangement. One interesting difference is that all TCR chains have similar numbers of inserted N nucleotides, whereas in the BCR, there are actually fewer N nucleotides in the light chain than in the heavy chain. And that's just because uh, there's this enzyme which inserts the N nucleotides. We kind of talked about it, TDT, and it is downregulated in B cells by the time they get to light chain rearrangement. But uh, this isn't the case for T cells. Uh, similarly, BCRs and TCRs have bits which undergo VJ and VDJ recombination, but uh, TCR genes don't have a bunch of different C regions like a BCR would. Even though TCRs do have more than one gene for C regions, uh, those, those genes share a bunch of homology and probably aren't different enough to create any functional difference which is why you know, antibodies have different isotypes based on their C region, but TCRs don't. And also TCRs have no secreted form. So of course they don't even need different isotypes really. So in addition to the structural similarities, we know that genetically mice missing RAG1 or 2, Artemis or TDT can't make BCRs and TCRs in the same way, suggesting that the enzymatic players necessary to generate TCRs and BCRs are the same. Um, when it actually comes to the physical, uh, immunoglobulin gene rearrangement, uh, there's one crucial difference I wanted to point out. So, uh, remember this 1223 rule, and, um, with BCRs, it specifies that recombination can only occur between gene segments contiguous in one case with an RSS containing a 12, that's one turn base pair spacer, and the other with an RSS containing 23 or two turn base pair spacers. By this rule recombination between the heavy chain vh and jh immunoglobulin gene segments is not allowed since they both flank the same rss sequences instead of alternating rss sequences and hence the requirement of the middle d region that flanks alternating rss to connect the v and the j in the heavy chain of the antibodies however the v and j in the beta and delta chains of the tcr do flank alternating uh, rss's so By the 1223 rule, V and J segments from the beta and delta gene families can theoretically combine directly without an intervening D segment. Furthermore, uh, the rule would also allow for multiple D segments to recombine in the D segment because it's also flanked by an uh, alternating RSS.
0: Wow, so you mean there can be weird combinations present in T cells? My, My question is, Do these unusual recombinations occur in vivo?
2: Well, in the case of the beta chain gene, the answer appears to be that they do not. Evidence obtained from uh, sequencing cDNA fragments containing precisely known V, D, and J sequences have shown that functioning TCR beta genes um, always contain just one of each of the V, D, and J segments. There must be some other mechanism apart from the 1223 rule that is keeping these segments together. However, the situation is not quite so simple for the TCR delta chain genes.
0: Oh, I wonder if it's because there are different sizes and those different size proteins may not work as well and just leads to the T cells death. But anyway, when you say that the situation is not simple for the delta, delta chain of the TCR, why uh, is that so?
2: Well, Scientists have noted that many TCRV uh, delta genes were considerably longer than TCRV beta genes and they looked and the increased sequence length seems primarily to occur in those parts of the gene encoding the CDR3 residues that make antigen contact. So keep uh, analyzing that, and that showed that many TCR V-delta genes have incorporated not one but two D-region segments, and this additional segment is primarily responsible for that observed increase in gene length. In some V-delta genes, further length was added to the TCR delta chain gene by N-nucleotide addition in between that DD joint.
1: Wow, so the delta gene has found a unique way to increase diversity by simply piling up Mods for D-segments?
2: Yeah, pretty much. And although TCRs get increased diversity uh, through N-nucleotide addition in all chains, and maybe a little bit extra if they have two D-regions, TCRs actually never undergo somatic hypermutation like a a BCR would, um, which occurs to the BCRs upon exposure to antigen. So although there are some little differences here and there, TCR rearrangement is incredibly similar to that of the BCR.
3: But Natalie, wait, this is so interesting, but how come T-cells don't rearrange B-cell genes and B-cells don't rearrange T-cell genes, even though these processes are pretty similar and they use all the same proteins?
2: (laughs) Great questions. During each developmental step, only the correct gene loci in the chromatin can be open for rearrangement. Epigenetic re- regulation is critical to ensure that the other genes are tightly compacted into heterochromatin, so the re- uh, so the recombination enzymes can't get to it.
0: Wow, epigenetics is so important at every stage of this process. Is it possible for a cell to possess both TCR and BCR though?
2: Well, actually, uh, it's it's possible. There was a recent study that it reported dual-expressor lymphoid cells that would have both TCRs and BCRs. However, the study reported them to be found only in type 1 diabetic patients, and on top of that, other labs weren't able to reproduce those findings. So let's say such dual-expressors, if they at all exist, are super rare and probably pathogenic. Hmm. <laughs> so. Last thing I want to discuss about uh, uh, T cell receptors is allelic exclusion, which we also learned happened with the B cell receptor. So you get two sets of genes, one from your mom, one from your dad, no matter who you are. This means that you have two different sets of Ig genes or TCR genes to rearrange for from any cell. In T and B cells, rearrangement for only one set of genes occurs at a time. And if it is successful, the other one is never touched. This process called allelic exclusion ensures that a particular cell only expresses one particular BCR or TCR, so they're unique. This process, which governs allelic exclusion in B cells, is actually pretty much the same as in T cells, but allelic exclusion of BCRs is absolute, meaning that all B cells only express one unique BCR. This is not so much the case in T cells. A very, very small percentage of our T cells actually express two different TCRs on their surface. I guess in, in theory, both of these TCRs could be successful and be able to recognize antigen, but it's pretty unlikely that this could occur. TCRs have to actually pass two tests in the thymus to survive. So one is positive selection. It tests if those alpha and beta chains can actually form into the TCR and can recognize self antigens with some affinity. And then there's another step that's a, a high attrition where it's called negative selection, and it tests if those TCRs bind too strongly to self to make sure that autoreactive TCRs are eliminated. So if either of those TCRs fail negative selection, that's, that's it for the entire T cell. So if a double TCR bearing T cell can pass both of those tests, like Godspeed little T cell, but it's, it's pretty unlikely actually
0: are you saying that it's this was all possible with where if the t-cell get extremely lucky and if it also passes these tests that's so cool
2: yeah it's actually like probably about one percent of our t-cells are double expressors wow how can
0: we summarize this episode this has been a very short one but i like the fact that we covered something for t-cell receptors separately from b-cells eugenio can you help me out here
3: sure the first point will be T-cell receptors are structurally similar to immunoglobulins and are encoded by homologous genes. We also need to remember that T-cell receptor genes are assembled by somatic recombination from sets of gene segments in the same way that the immunoglobulin genes are. The third point will be most of the T-cells have receptors of the alpha-beta type. The variable regions of alpha chains are made up of B and J segments, where those of beta chains have B, D, and J regions. Finally, other T cells have gamma-delta receptors. The variable regions of gamma change, like those of the delta chains, have B and J segments. Gamma chains are encoded within the TCR alpha locus, and their variable regions are made of B, D, and J segments. Delta, but not beta chains, can express more than one D region per chain.
0: Wow, that was a very good primer on TCR, TCR re- gene rearrangement process. For everybody listening here, if you guys have any questions, you can email it to us at antibodies1 at gmail.com. We also have a website up, antibodies.org, where you can find everything we do, including the blog, the channel club, In essentially you can access the Antibodies Cinematic Universe at that website. <laughs> That'll be it. Thanks a lot. We'll see you all in the next episode. Bye. 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 Bye.